0: You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Bod. And I'm Matt. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music.
1: And so, I've made one final gamble. My pleas, my teachings, my objections and even my treasons were all ineffectual. Elindi has other counselors now, ones that tell him what he wants to hear. I have a young nephew, one Rashik. He hates all of Helene- Helene with the passion of envious youth. He hates Elindi even more acutely, though the two have never met, for Rashik feels betrayed that one of our oppressors should have been chosen as the hero of ages.
0: Fifty one. The
1: Battle of Luthadel.
0: It begins. Um, like I said, arguably this is probably. This competes with a couple of other things. I can't tell our listeners on this sort of episode for what could possibly be the best moment in this series for me. But y'all all know if you've been listening, how highly I think of Say's it as a character, and this was kind of the moment that it drilled into me as like, this character is probably my favorite in all of Mistborn Era 1.
1: And if you want, remember from Final Empire, he had, like, kind of a small role. He was just kind of put to the side. Um, and he's t- picking a big, really ma- major in this book. Um, and, you know, here he is, really, like, showing what a Farakim's can do. But
0: So we open up with Vin's point of view. Uh, the Mist are super strong now, and she's seeing it firsthand even more so. They're staying for hours after the... After the sun has come up. And she's confused as can be. Because the thumping is getting quieter. The farther they travel away. From (sighs) Luthadel. She doesn't question. Why she's chosen at this point. Because to her. I think she has this little monologue. Essentially about how. um, It's never helped her. You know every aspect she's seen. Of people wanting to know why they were chosen for something. It ultimately didn't matter at the end of the day. They either got it done. Or they, they didn't. And so she's not going to question why she was chosen. She just knows that she needs to continue on, and she needs to watch out for the mist spirit. Speaking of, she hears the pulsing behind her, or she feels it. She turns around, and it's inside the tent where Ellen's still sleeping. And as she rushes in, the spirit looks at her, looks down at Ellen, and raises its hand, and she lunges out with a blade, and she clings as she blocks some sort of mist dagger from stabbing and killing Ellen in his sleep. And then the mist outside go away and the mist spirit dissipates. Ellen wakes up at this point and I'm so confused by Vin because Vin, she's like, he's like, what happened? Vin's like, nothing, man, go back to sleep. See ya. And just like goes outside, doesn't even say a word about it. And she's just out there going like, did he just try to kill him? Yeah, he did, or the Miss Spirit did, right? Yeah, it did. Well, and she's just trying to figure this out when Spook comes up and notices that she. He goes, "I noticed the." He points out all the all the changes in her. You're confident. You're no longer worried. You don't seem scatterbrained. You seem intent. You seem like you have intent and focus. And uh... Spook's continuing just to lay it on hard with his ten, because like Ven keeps mentioning, like, "Why are you always squinting? Like, what are you doing? Like." But we learned here that Spook really looked up to Kelser mostly, even though Clubs was his uncle. And Spook tells her that he wants to be a Mistborn. He wants to be able to be strong. He wants to be able to actually do things to help. And he says he feels like a coward. And Vin's like, okay, that came out of left field. Uh, but okay. um, I don't know what you mean by that. And we jump back to say its point of view. The Koloss always begin a battle by attacking each other and starting a frenzy. Because the group's watching as the Koloss are literally just killing each other. And uh, it's, it's like it just mentioned. It's like they have to work themselves up for a fight, essentially. And this is how they do it. And, man. It's kind of crazy because Clubs is watching like, yeah, that's not a good thing. And then they start charging and clubs like for the first time you hear clubs go like, oh, crap. Yeah, that's not a good thing. he <laughs> starts running around. And he's just like, get on the wall. And he starts organizing into defense. And it's the first time I think I've seen clubs flustered ever.
1: And says makes a good point. He's like, no one is prepared for, for no one's prepared for war because we've had this long time of peace. So literally no one has survived in a time period where war was something necessary. And he's like, we've never, like, we don't have commanders, we don't have generals, we don't have tacticians. We just have all these people who've read about
0: war. I think that's a little bit farther in, but yeah, he definitely makes those points. The big thing that we get here, though, is that uh, they go back to Dachshund, and Dox spreading everyone out, and Tendril even gets her own gate, which is crazy to me. Uh, but it she's makes a it, she's a keeper. She's a keeper and she's getting ready for a fight and i think she had something in the last chapter that i forgot to mention that i just loved hearing from her say is the uh, like says and i know you're not much of a fighter but we're gonna need you and Tyndall's like looks at like dachshund like you know you silly man do you not see what he's wearing and she sees all of the different rings and all the different minds he has on him and she's like those minds are for war like he he's preparing to fight and so she takes a gate by herself. Breeze has soothers at every gate, trying to keep the the morale up. And Daxton's like, we just need to make sure they don't break. And uh, I want to say I wrote down Ham and Breeze get a gate together, but I think it ends up actually being Clubs and Breeze, Clubs and Breeze, Clubs and are, breeze, at, a yeah. gate, are at a gate together. So we get a straff point of view. Um, just a quick one. They're marching away. They get the messenger says that the Coloss have attacked Luvidel. He's like, let's turn around. And when the generals like. You want us to be there on the double? He goes, no, why are we going to tire our soldiers out? And we jump back to save it again. And he's standing up in a tower that is overlooking the gates and he's noticing that his gate's not under attack yet, but all the other gates are being slammed into by Colossus at this point. And he's noticing like the arrow, they're launching arrows at them as they're running and the arrow storms are maybe dropping the smallest Colossus, but the rest are just running through the arrows like they're nothing. And They even like, and that's when you say, that's when he goes into what you just said. He goes like, we do not have warriors. We have boys of sticks. And he goes into that explanation of like, you're right. They haven't had war in what, a thousand years outside of like, you know, I think the last couple of wars when the the Lord Ruler like cleaned up the last bit of resistance, essentially.
1: But even Club said like when they would uh, fight. fight, they had Kolos
0: on their side. Clubs? How many? I think it's a little bit further down too. But he goes like, "Clubs, how many battles have you been in?" He goes, "A ton for twenty years." He goes, "Did you win every single one?" But we had Koloss on our side, mm-hmm. and I what does he say? Tough things to kill those side <laughs> <laughs> Yes.
1: Uh, and um, but yeah. So and they have teenagers that are commanding. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Sazed's there, and the Koloss, He points out that the Coloss are way smarter than they ever thought. They're using like trees as battering rams and things like that as they're coming in to to attack they recognize the need for tools yeah and Sazed, like like you mentioned there's like a 16 year old nobleman in charge of the armies and what's even worse than that is before their gate even gets attacked a messenger comes and says i, I want to say it was zinc gate so zinc gate needs six companies of soldiers to reinforce them and so says loses 600 of the thousand that he w- was given to defend this gate immediately and they're like, oh, it's just crazy. He has 300 soldiers in the courtyard, a hundred on the wall. And the, the, the people on the wall, as the Coloss have started to reach the, the different points, they started throwing rocks down at them. And then, <coughs> and then they start noticing that, uh, people are dying because the Coloss are picking the rocks up and throwing them back up at them mm-hmm. and knocking them off the wall and says, it's like, well, they're running out other gates. Oh, and now it's our gate's turn. And they arrive at the gate. Just as we're cut to Vin's point of view. And Vin. Uh, Spook mentioned. I'm sorry I forgot to mention this. Spook mentioned that there is someone following them. And that he he noticed them. And Vin ambushes them. He jump. She jumps into the camp. And she basically. She like fights everyone. But not to kill them. She wants to question them and figure out who these people are. And it turns out that it's Jasty's locale And. Ellen arrives going like what the heck happened and Jastis mentioned that there was a fire that burned all of their fake money and he had to run or the Coloss were going to kill him.
1: So remember in chapter 49 they said there was some plume of smoke coming out of the middle of the Coloss camp. They burned their coins away.
0: Yep. And so this is when you see I think like the final nail in the coffin the trans the transformation of Ellen into a king is Jasti's is begging him to take her take take him with him they were good friends he's sorry he he that he that he brought the colossus he thought he could control them and ellen goes i forgive you and then he takes the sword out and he cuts Jasti's head off and the guards freak out and they start wording their weapons to lunge towards him. and he turns to them blood still on the sword and goes do y'all believe that this execution was an error do you believe he didn't deserve this? And the guards put their weapons down immediately and go no. And he goes, bury him, and then y'all are free to do whatever y'all want.
1: Well, so there was another thing. He said, I forgive you. And when he cuts his head off, he says, But my kingdom cannot.
0: Yeah. And that was to me, that was the final nail in the coffin, because we see we see now Ellen goes to sit down and Vin goes to comfort him. And Ellen, for the first time, knows what Vin's feeling. Because Ellen goes, Vin, we are both knives. We thought we were, like, you might have thought you were a knife for me, but we are both knives. We are knives for this kingdom. So, they're talking and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And Ven goes, Maybe the Koloss will attack Straff's army now that there's no leadership. And this is when Spook finally breaks. Spook comes out and says, He's a coward. And we get to know what he means by it, as he knew of the plan to get them out. And he went along with it because he didn't want to die.
1: And he says, you know, he knew that that clubs had figured out that Straff would most likely pull his army out, knowing that the Colossus would take him out and he was hiding it the whole time. Um, he was
0: supposed to tell them halfway there so they wouldn't freeze to death in the mountains. R-
1: well, when they got to the mountains, he was supposed to tell them so that they wouldn't go to the mountains and freeze to death. But the whole thing was that Caesar was supposed to send him away. And that's when Ben's like, oh, my gosh, we've been lied to.
0: And she realizes the thumping's getting quieter. The Well of Ascension is in Lufidel. And she's like, I need to go. And Ellen's like, yeah, you need to go, go. You can probably, you can, you, you can save them all. You just need to get there. And Vin leaves Ellen telling him that to not sleep a night and that the mist spirit could hurt him. And that's the end of 51. 52. We get Bree's point of view. And obviously he's terrified. He He has never fought in a war. And he mentions that. And he's trying to soothe everyone, all the soldiers' fears away. And he talks about how there's just so many people there that he has to soothe them in groups. And he can tell that the minute he leaves a group that the, they just wilt away under the pressure of what's going on. And he's like, this is a serious time. We're not going to joke. You know, they're going to break through that gate any minute. And Clubs points out, comes riding by and goes, "The men are doing well. And he's like, are you kidding me? Do you see them? And he just goes, eh. All all men get nervous before a fight. These are good people they're going to hold. And he's like, do you think there's anything you can do? And Breeze is like, no, I can do nothing. I've already tried soothing colossus and Worked. it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work, right. And that's when they have that moment where he just goes, "Clubs has never lost a fight, but he's always had colossus on his side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we jump back to Vin's point of view. And we are getting another parallel to book one. As Vin is pewter-dragging, sprinting across the land the same way her and Kelsir did in an attempt to make it back to in time and save everyone. Now, here's the thing. She has so much farther to go than, she, than, than, than in book one. And she says it herself, we're kind of unsure of the timeline at this point. I know the battle is happening at the same time Vin is running, but we actually don't know if that's how this time is lining up. And actually, she, I
1: don't think it was the same down distance, because the last time they, that she went with Kelsier, they traveled like two weeks worth of time in like 18 hours. Mm-hmm. So she only would have been a few days away. So she probably would have been able to do it. Maybe. Something I, along those lines. Yeah, but I, I, think I, just,
0: so. I just thought when I thought about it, um, that that might have been the case. Uh, Brandon definitely paid it, played it off more as a very long run, something that was going to be more difficult than she had done before. But uh, she's pewter dragging, and we jump back to Breeze's point of view. And she talks about, they have another one of those good moments between them two, and they're just like, you know, people like us clubs should not be leaders. We're idiots, and Kelser's the reason why <laughs> we're idiots. We got tricked into this. And as he's saying that, the gate the gates burst open, and we flip to Sazed's point of view. Like the, the oh, I love the point of view shifting, but we flip to Sazed's point of view, and he gets word that the eastern gate has been breached. And I want to say that's Zinc Gate, and that is Breezes and Clubs's gate. Sure, that that makes sense. Um, so Sazed sends a messenger back and says, "Listen, the captain sucks. He's a sixteen year old boy. You need to tell Dax we need to get another leader here." And everyone he looks. This messenger looks and goes, "Sir, isn't that you?" Mm-hmm. everyone sees says it as being the leader he goes tell dachshund i am less i have less uh belief in my own abilities than i do of the 16 year old here that's supposed to lead and the guy runs off to tell dachshund and the skull come the skull populace comes to the gate to and they're just waiting as the gates begins to fail and says it tries to get rid of them all and they say no we're here to watch the colossus fail or fall i guess and they refer to Sazed as the holy first witness.
1: It's the first time I'm hearing of this, but
0: <laughs> Yeah. Um and they say that the lady Air will save them. And he's like, No, Vin's gone. I sent what what'd you say? What I think he said, I sent your god away is the way he said it. And um You're like, I sent your god, I sent your god away. And they're like, eh, well, you know, you you know she'll you, appear around you yeah she'll appear around you you're the one that she that you know that gave her the spear that killed the lord ruler you're the one she's been around right
1: he's he's like i'm not a holy man he's like but you were the first one you were mm-hmm. the witness so i was like okay
0: when yeah when they say that though Coloss, uh the, the sazer turns to notice that the, the bodies out at the wall of the colossus has stacked so high that some of the bigger Colos were jumping over the wall
1: they were climbing yeah they're climbing the bodies to get over the wall and so now he's got to...
0: And that's when the, the captain freaks out, the kid doesn't know what to do, and Sazed muscles up with Pewter and increases his size, and he walks up and he just yells out to fight. And he leads the charge. And then we flip to Vin's point of view. And Vin knows she's not going to make it. She's too tired. She's basically out of Pewter. Mm-hmm. And Vin, Vin visits the ska village where people are laughing. She's like, the ska are laughing? And we kind of get to see this little glimpse of paradise, a little glimpse of what Kelsier had when he dreamed of the Ska finally rebelling, finally becoming free, and finally being happy. And Vin goes in and was like, yeah, no, I need your help. I need Pewter, or I need a Spike Way, and I'm not going to make it. Wait a second. Do you have horseshoes? And they give her horseshoes, and she learns to use, I think it was a set of five horseshoes, the same way that Kelsier had used that spiked way in the book one whereas those implanted metal pieces that he used to get between Luthadel and the outer villages quickly. I think
1: of this like she almost makes a wheel out of these things pulling pulling from behind her and pushing her from the front and being able to move it
0: yeah I, the way that it's written described is she was a she was a flurry of alamancy, the same way Kelsier was when he fought the steel inquisitor yet it was for her to move mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm and uh that is the end of 52 so 53 we get Straff's point of view and he's found the drug that he's addicted to and he knows that Del is now completely besieged and he mentions at this point because they're watching now from the hillside essentially as the fight's going on and he, we notice that we know that the kolos are now through four gates three are still holding resistance but the northernmost gate has completely fallen and the are in and they're pillaging and burning the city at this point. And they figure out, Straff figures out that the northern gate is the closest to Keep Venture, which is where Dachshund and everyone's held up as the the, the, the essentially the, the general of the entire battle, keeping the information center. So Straff decides, nah, we're not going to protect the people we are just going to let the colossus kill everyone and then when they calm down we will attack and finish them off and we get say point of view again and he attack he's at this point he's tackled this colossus to the ground and with his increased strength a colossus he just crushes the coloss's windpipe what 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 we've seen the colossus do to a person he is he is doing to with how big he is right now. They
1: would talk about how he would you know crash his fists into their faces, and his and the head would wrap around his fists because uh, of how strong he is. He, the Coloss
0: were super surprised because he's as big as them now, too tall wise, weight wise, muscle wise, and everything.
1: And well, I, get, I found out now that his bracers are designed to actually expand with him, uh, which I think that was a neat design.
0: I mean, yeah, you don't want to grow and then it pop the bracer and the
1: thing is is that we think like oh yeah of course he's got to tap strength that's that's obviously a valuable thing but he uses even his iron
0: yeah he uses everything so up at this point right the scholar pulling away wounded says and notes that he's halfway through his strength and he's you know he says like this is the thing he always says he's not a warrior but in this moment he has a warrior's pride because he goes i have pride over knowing what it's costing the kolos to even attempt to get through this gate mm-hmm. as he's looking around essentially the carnage he is he, he's causing right now um but he like you mentioned he has this use for his iron now which is a way to increase his weight essentially he notices that the kolos have been funneled in kind of one at a time because of the way they broke the gate they were too hasty to get at people so instead of breaking the gate completely down they just knocked one door open essentially and so after killing one of the last koloss inside, he rushes the door and calls everyone. He goes like, to me, and they rush to the door, and he closes it and increases his weight with like oh, basically everything he has stored, so the koloss can't push it open anymore. And the guards uh, surround him, and they kill off the remaining coloss inside, and they're able to bar the gate again, which is just crazy. They had broken through, and Sazed and the group of 400 men were able to push them back out. And he had even said, like his only value for
1: iron was always to make himself lighter. Like when we saw him when he went to the conventicle of Saren, he had lightened himself so he could fall more gently. Um, And so he's been just storing this weight, storing this weight, so he could fall gently. And now it's just like boom—he's an an immovable object.
0: Exactly. But with their chance to breathe, Sazed takes hold of what's going on and. He realizes he has 50 men left of the 400 that he started with at this point in the fight. And that they will soon need to fight again. And he, he hears word that Tengate has fallen. And that was Tendal's Gate.
1: And he realizes he's been fighting for at least an hour.
0: Yeah, it, well, he's no, he's been fighting longer because he they, he's like, when did Tengate fall? Tengate had fallen an hour ago. <laughs> He's been fighting even longer at this point. That's
1: what at that least means, man. Shh. <laughs> All
0: right, um. don't come at me, bro. <laughs> All right, but he he notices that he's completely out of strength, and the men at the or not he's almost completely out of strength, and the men at this point are like they're about to break. And what are we going to do? And says like has the, I think that cool moment again where he hulks up as the gate breaks breaks open, and he goes, "We're going to fight again." And it shifts to Breeze's point of view.
1: Well, in the, in, the, in this moment, he's talking about how like most of his metal mines are tapped. The only thing he has left are even his rings, which are kind of pointless because it's not going to only buy him a little few more seconds or minutes of time.
0: So they've been fighting for hours at this point, like you mentioned, and says it says that the only reason he's been able to fight this long is he's been storing all of these attributes for decades. decades, right? And that is the only reason he's had enough strength and everything to fight at, up to this point and so we get a shift to breeze's point of view and clubs is directing the resistance and breeze is just frozen he's he he's not made for war he's never been in a battle like this he's just completely frozen and clubs is trying to get him out of there and so he's pulling on him trying to like kind of get him to fall back and as he does they get ambushed from colossus from the north and breeze is like oh no that means like the north gate northern gate has already fallen which we knew and now the groups from the north are kind of sandwiching and crushing the resistance that have been holding the other gates. And Breeze goes, wait a second, and calls out to Clubs for him to watch out. And in just that moment, we get to see Clubs' arm get cut off and him split in half by a coloss. And with that, Clubs is dead. And Breeze is able to escape while the while the colossus the look at his body and is able to hide in a, in a home. And then we get a switch to Dachshund's point of view. Dachshund is essentially blaming Kelsier for everything at this point. And we learn, Dachshund says, he's amazed that the only gate that is held is its gate. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dachshund is thinking about how, in this moment, that they could have massacred Every single nobleman. They didn't have to build this. They could have killed all of them. They could have gone on a rampage throughout all the dominances and just tried to kill every single nobleman. They could have used Vin to get to everybody because of how, how, how strong she was as a misport. And he realizes that that would have made them no better than a beast. And with that, the Kolos have broken through and he draws his sword and moves forward to fight. And we know Dachshund isn't a fighter because instantaneously he is killed by a koloss we go back to straff's point of views Straff's point of view again lord uh general general wa- is coming to him going all right the coloss are weakened enough you know they they've we see them they've lost at least a third of their numbers we can take them now we should go into attack and straff's like Straff nah. is vindictive at this point. He yeah. says, this is the this is the city that that denied me.
1: This is the punishment they get.
0: Yeah, let, let the Kolos kill them all, and we'll kill them. We don't need the city. We just need the A-team. And L- the general is not happy hearing this. Uh, Straff mentions that he has resistance in his eyes, and therefore Straff's going to need to get rid of him after this is all done. But we jump back over to the set of Set's point of view, and he has arrived again with his army and Oriane is telling we need to go help them we need to go help them and set goes no you knew exactly what this was we're going to help Straff take the city and we're going to hope that Straff doesn't have us killed and Oriane goes but but i thought you were a good man deep down inside and Set set has this great quote
1: the good men are all dead in the city
0: yeah the good the good men they all died inside that city yep so we get saze's point of view again and he is still holding the gate at this point. It's confirmed. He's been fighting. I think, I think at this point, this thing, like the sun's starting to come up because mm-hmm. they had been fighting literally through the entire night. So they are eight, maybe nine hours into this battle. And I want to just point out right here that I talked about how in the very beginning, when we first started reading this, I mentioned D and D all the time. This book taught me to write battles the same with the black company. Um, because I didn't realize this. We have this modern view of fights now where they're over in almost an instant. And yet, you know, and maybe that's not even true nowadays, but that's the view I always had, especially with action movies. The fights happen, and they're over in an instant. No, like medieval battles, this sort of technology right here, uh, this age of technology, fights could literally last 24 plus hours of continuous fighting. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing here. I still, can't imma- can, like, I still can't imagine fighting on a battlefield for ten hours, but here we are, and Sazed's gates held. And he's like the Koloss had rage, but the men on the side could see the skull behind them. They could see the weak and elderly. They can see the women and children, and so they fought with everything they had. But Sazed's strength finally fails him. He's run completely out he's out of weight he's out of pewter he's out of everything and says it falls down to his knees ready to accept his death and he tells himself i think i did well <laughs> for well, having not be been centered. a warrior i i think i did well and he's looking up now at this hulking colossus standing over him he says it's the biggest one he's seen yet at 12 feet tall and it's raising up its sword to bring it down on him and then he sees a glint off the sunlight And then the Colossus drops with a thump. And he looks up and he's like, something is on the... It's Vin. Vin, through her extended pewter drag, has arrived.
1: Well, and the steel pushing. And the steel pushing. All the pushing she did.
0: And Vin comes down and just starts fighting everyone. She's dropping Colossus left and right. They are dying almost indiscriminately here. And the coolest moment of this is she's so strong in her rage and in her ability to fight to protect these people that she pulls the gate off of its hinges and flings it around. And uses it as a weapon. And uses it as a weapon, killing these creatures. Says it at this point point goes, well, this is my cue to go. And he gathers everyone up and he says, listen, the city's fallen. We're not going to make it out of this alive. Vin is back. She can buy us some time. We need to go back into the city, grab as many people as we can. And try to leave out of this gate that Vin's clearing out, and hopefully they can run out as the Colossus on the all the other sides swarm in and they can get out of the city that way. And that is that plan. We get a breeze point of view at the very end. And he sees himself as a coward. But in reality, he's just shell-shocked at this point. He 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 can't do anything. He hears everyone dying around him. He's hiding in the in the in in the building. He's just never seen anything as terrible as this, but he hears Ham's voice, and Ham has found him. Sazed has found him, and they're trying to get him to leave, and he just says, "I think I'm ready to just lay down and die," and that's the end of fifty-three.
1: The Battle of oh. Luthadel.
0: I mean, this is—I mean, we're not done with the Battle of Luthadel yet. I know when we went through those, I wanted to go through those three chapters there because, you know, it was my this moment Sazed. Holding his gate was probably like, like I said, I don't know if I can give it the number one spot, like you know, without without uh some competition here, but it's so crazy to me. we get to finally see what a keeper can do. We talked about these Koloss being worth, you know, I think a koloss what did we say Koloss was worth roughly one, every
1: five- one, one, one Koloss killed four different four people. And that was when they were significantly outnumbered.
0: Yeah. And so like if we even just pretend to double that, if it's an even number, a Colossus worth about eight people, well, we get to see what a Keeper's worth in battle. And that's, and let's say this, a Keeper with no military training. And that was the thing. as says even
1: said like, he's like, I'm not, I'm not this. Com- he's like, I'd rather this teenager be a commander. I'm not this person. This is not who I am. And he's at another point, he's just like, well, they need what I can do. And they just he just steps up and does it.
0: I want to reference back to I can't I don't remember the exact episode for us. But I remember I want to reference back to our first the first book. There was an episode that was saying I wanted to point out because I was like, I really want to know what these keepers can do. (laughs) Kelsey's like exact words were like. I fear for the man who 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 gets in between a keep an angry keeper and his goal or something like that. And he's like, I trust Vin. I or I trust Kel, uh Kelser's like I trust uh Cezid that he's going to protect Vin. I trust his word. We saw Sazed like knock out a steel inquisitor with a punch in in the first book. We saw Sazed go and save Vin, but we never saw him truly fight. Keepers are devastating ferrochemists are devastating and, fighters and he didn't
1: even the funny thing is is that you could see actually you know how as devastating as he was he didn't even use everything at to at his disposal um because in future chapters we're gonna actually see what even more that a pharaoh can do but he was just knew that these people needed their his help and he just knew that he needed to hold his gate and he threw everything he could at it I mean, that final scene of, you know, his strength is gone. You know, his his metal mines are all tapped. Um, the only thing he's, he has are some rings. And at that point, he's like, why why even bother? Because there's just not enough in there to even do very much. Um, the colossus are coming in. He's sitting here and he accepts his death. And there's, a you know, a huge colossus over him. And he just stares off into the sun, you know, just waiting for the sword to come down and kill him. And... This is after he spent, like you said, hours just going for the whole time. And his is the only gate that held.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I like I said, that was like that was one of the few times like these books, they can get they can get pretty emotional, right? I don't know. I know some people look at it different ways. A lot of people will look at the emotional scenes where, you know, someone might uh might die, which, by the way, we're going to talk about that, too. We had two major characters. Die in these chapters as well, but like to me, like th- this was the most emotional thing because I'm starting to kind of see this trend that Brandon has put out in these first two books, which is look at it—it's the, the the people who thought that they could study scholars in particular, ellen and Sazed, both of them have had to turn into something that they never wanted to be. These are two people who just wanted. To study, wanted to share knowledge. And it's crazy how this entire time we see exactly what Tendul said is just true. It's like we keep getting slapped in the face with it. Those aren't the kind of people who make good leaders. Those aren't the kind of people who are needed during this time of war. What's needed is a is someone who's not afraid to stand up and lead and fight. And mm-hmm. we, we see that in Sazed.
1: I'm gonna have a really interesting philosophy of Brand Brandon there. But I but it is but it is this thing of like um war forces people to do this, you know. Uh César didn't want to, but if he had not done that, then all these people would have died, his gate would have fallen, and who knows who who else would have gone. But if he you know, him stepping up and saying, I I I'm not made for this and pulling out things that he stored for decades of time, you know, tapping those stores and in a matter of hours, wiping it out. Um, I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, it just shows like like he's been storing this for decades because he hasn't needed to use it for decades. Like he's just been he's, he's been, had a life where he hasn't had to, you know, pull out his abilities all the time. Um, I mean, when we think about what he's had to use, he's used iron. And he's used steel pretty consistently. We've only twice, twice seen him tap strength. Uh, one to mm-hmm. clock the steel Inquisitor to save Vin, and the other time to break the gate or the bo- um, the um, cage that she was mm-hmm. in, the jail and, that she and, was in. And, yeah, in the first book. Yeah. Um, um, But all the other times, he's not really tapping that. And so he's just been storing this so you know, slowly over a long period of time and never having to use it. And yeah, so the only
0: thing he had to use up to this point, which he pointed out with Tyndall in the chapters before this, was, I think, his wakefulness, his uh, mindfulness, and speed. I think it was.
1: Yeah, because he you can he can get acuity of mind quickly. Uh, he can get speed. Uh, he can also get wakefulness uh, and health. Uh, is the other thing is that he could store up with yeah, gold. And
0: he mentioned that to Tyndall he used his last bit of health overcoming a sickness while he was teaching people. But uh yeah, he told them those were the only three those were the four main ones he had used. Now it's because he had to run back to Lufidel, which again, you know, we saw it in book one, but we saw it in book two as well. These people, like the the like pewter dragon for Al Alamancers, but says it had enough of this stored up that he turned, what was it, like a he turned like a two week journey into like three days mm-hmm. with with what he had stored up. But um yeah, this like it's, it's just this moment i want to see i looked it up you know don't look this <laughs> up i'm just don't look up any images i know you want to don't look up any images because you're gonna get yourself spoiled that's just how it is but i, I tried to look up images of like Sazed holding his gate and I, I saw none but maybe one i think it was on a on a uh on a reddit thread that someone had drawn and is just like that 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 moment of seeing the terrorist man just bulked up, standing there, just bloodied and beaten on all sides. I like to think of like his knuckles and everything must have just been purple black blots at this point from the fighting he had to do, and uh, just being a, like just standing up and watching as more and more of these monsters roamed over. It was just it's it's a, it's an image that gets to me all the time, but. Let's talk because we can't just talk all about Sazed, even though I want to.
1: I mean, this is honestly let's be let's be real. This is the moment we've been waiting for this whole book. You know, yeah. we like this book has been a generally slow burn, and it has some really cool moments. But this was the moment we've been waiting for, like to see you know this part of Sazed because it changes him. Sazed is not just the scholar anymore. He's someone who's killed killed a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's colos, but still, it's like it's a battle with. The Kolas still have blood. They, he still, he said he fu- he became familiar with the feeling of crunching, you know, wh- when it came to his blows, and he just had to get used to that, and it changes a person. Not just that, but he's surrounded by death. I mean, all these, all these guys that are around him. Like first, he saw them die before he even changed. But there's no reason to think that you know he had zero casualties during this whole time. He was just holding up against this whole stem, and he's gonna change as a result of it.
0: Yeah, and like we see another big thing that's going to change him pretty big here too is like he knows Tyndall's gates fallen right I can only imagine how how scared he is at this point um we've seen what up to this point we saw uh I want to talk about Dachshund and, and and uh Clubs right now we're going to talk a little bit about Dachshund but I want to start by kind of going out of the story a bit and more into why this death happened and I feel like I don't know if anyone else could sense it, but I sensed it from the beginning. Doxon barely barely played a role in this book. And his only role was maybe he's the spy. And so this death really does feel like a the character kind of played played like went through the usefulness of the character at this point. Uh, I what mean, do you do you think that I I had that feel at least for Doxon this I, book? I
1: I didn't, and the reason I say that is because if you think about it, he was the obligator of the crew he was the guy who got everything done Mm -hmm. um if you want to talk about usefulness you could argue that now ellen is kind of completing his arc as king and doesn't necessarily
0: need that kind of i'm i'm not even talking usefulness as in usefulness in the book because obviously his character in the book was super useful he was the only one keeping this kingdom basically afloat at this point with uh with what he was doing but the thing here that that i'm kind of trying to figure out is that to me he wasn't in the story. He wasn't like how many times did we see him throughout the entire book? Maybe four times. Hey, we didn't see him much in Final Empire either. No, we did we did actually a lot more than that. We saw him pretty consistently in Final Empire. And it felt like in Final Empire he was always making good points. He was always talking to Ven. He was being Ven the voice of reason for Ven with a lot of things. He's being the voice of reason with a lot of the group. He was talking with Kelsier, keeping Kelsier guided on a point on, on certain points and kind of pulling away on other points. He actually affected the story consistently. The only effect he had on the story here was, is Dachshund the spy?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's telling him a little bit short. Because I, the reason I say that is because before we started Well of Ascension, I admit like Dachshund, uh was not a pay, uh, not a character I remembered much of. Um, and so when I saw him by a bunch of Final Empires, I was like, okay. And so I kind of like I guess maybe honed in on him a bit because I was like what was he what did he do you know i remember him being like kelsey's like kind of friend you know and then i realized like oh like he's one of his closest friends um and he was always a character that kind of like shadowed to say like hey here's the way here's the way things changed because he was the one that say like before everything happened this is the way things were yeah and so he was our kind of character for that so i guess you could argue that like from a narrative standpoint you know we didn't really need much more of that because mm-hmm. you know things are changing so much it's like okay the way things were before the final empire it we don't really care anymore you know not 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 that we don't care but we're like this is a whole different kind of beast and he was always like the representation of like the changing of the the ska's, you know view of nobles or the view of how the world was going to be and things like that um and that's why that was my point of view and so like i i understand what you're saying that like from a story point plot a point of story plot you know or whatever that was like the main thing he was here for was like oh could he be, possibly be that um, but from like a character standpoint, he was integral into setting everything mm-hmm. up as as yeah. it was.
0: No, hundred percent agree.
1: And now everything's fallen apart. You would argue that he would be even more important. Um, uh, but you could also argue that basically everything he did is completely undone, and we're you know stuck.
0: Um, yeah, like the I think I want to like we can have like a connection here or like a parallel here in the sense that like clubs is the opposite in the first book Clubs was barely there to the right. point that when he was like i'm gonna go take the palace i was like wait what oh yeah. wait clubs is here
1: yeah exactly um
0: but in this book he was he was in the forefront i think clubs was one of the characters they built up the most up to this point we saw him consistently talking with the group we, we saw his bluntness and everything we saw his moments with breeze he he actually came to the forefront kind of like Doxin was in the first one which is why i was kind of saying like it felt like both of them had already kind of played up their their, their their parts as characters they told the portion of the story that they needed to tell and that's kind of where these deaths came from but i just want to talk about that outside of the story in the way that it was written because that's kind of what it felt like to me but like you were saying though actually focusing inside into the books yeah like th- these moments are crazy to me because i was thinking about dachshund and i was just like I was like, he's and he he's trying to plan the siege. He, we know they're going to go down, you know. We're st- we're still holding out hope the entire time, and Brandon just went like, "Oh yeah, your back's breaking." Another click, clubs is dead. Click, docs instead. And the whole time I'm sitting here going like, "Are we actually going to lose everyone?" I mean, up to this point, it feels like you know the group itself. They have to get out of there maybe maybe vin's gonna buy them a little bit of time knocking away the cost and they're actually gonna be able to escape out that gate but up to this point how many more people are we going to end up losing in this battle well and let's
1: also understand what what we're dealing with Vin here because Vin is already on a pure drag he, mm-hmm. she, is com- she is coming she's coming in she's not coming in fresh she's not she's coming in you know with a lot of power but like she already said she was running low on metals. She most likely was using a lot of her metals to get over here to not just Pewter to get over, you know, get over into Luthadel. And so, like, again, like it's just ratcheting up, ratcheting up, ratcheting up. But I gotta say, uh, let's normalize uh, surprise character deaths in this way—the way, the way that it happened with Clubs. I mean, Doxin was kind of like built up, and mm-hmm. I'm—and I'm not saying I'm against it, but like, Clubs is was just, just like thwack—he's gone. It, yeah, like yeah. there was no buildup
0: through Breeze's point
1: of view, through Breeze's right. point of view. Right. And that kind of like snapped Breeze It was like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's really what was started settling him down. Um, and I kind of like that. That was one of the things that kind of appealed to me with things like game of Thrones was like, you never knew when it was coming.
0: Mm-hmm. But like
1: with Dotson, you could just kind of feel it coming, yeah. coming, you know, that, and
0: that's kind of what I meant. It led to this idea of like, it felt like his story or or his purpose and the narrative itself, like not, I, how, how am I saying this? I'm wording it wrong. Mm-hmm. Not the story, but his like purpose that the author had for him was done and it was time.
1: But I think that the reason Dotson was done that way was so that the sa- the saving of Sazed would kind of come out of nowhere because he built up the says it the same way. Like he accepted death. He's staring off to the sun and we're thinking, okay, so this is it. This is say his death. And you know, we've already had two other characters die. So this is just, you know, the time.
0: Oh yeah. I legit thought it was going to just be Brandon was going to just whack, 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 whack. And like you said,
1: and you know, and, and it would have made sense. Like it, like, you know, say would have done like a whole bunch, but it would have, that would have been it. Um, So, I mean, this is this is definitely like one of the pivotal moments, you know, in the whole like series, like it definitely was one that like stuck with me and, you know, kept going on and we could just, you know, pour over all the like really neat things that are going on. But
0: here with Vin, right, all the really unique things, all the crazy things that are going on. We have the crew in shambles and we essentially have Vin one versus the world at this point. And in the next couple of chapters, we are going to end part six with part Vin, five, or part five with Vin's final gamble. Essentially. Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com/ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.